Let's turn together to uh, Psalm 77. If you're visiting us this morning, we are in a series called Summer in the Psalms. And this morning we're going to look at Psalm 77. This is a uh, just an amazing psalm. It's written by someone named Asaph. Asaph was a prominent leader and a musician in King David's court. He wrote 12 psalms, and Psalm 77 is broken down into two sections. Uh, the first section is a complaint to God, and the second section is a statement of confidence in God. So we're going to begin by reading the first section, the complaint, verses 1 through 9. I cry aloud to God, aloud to God, and he will hear me. In the day of my trouble, I seek the Lord. In the night, my hand is stretched out without wearying. My soul refuses to be comforted. When I remember God, I moan. When I meditate, my spirit faints. You hold my eyelids open. I am so troubled that I cannot speak. I consider the days of old, the years long ago. I said, let me, let me remember my song in the night. Let me meditate in my heart. Then my spirit made a diligent search. Will the Lord spurn forever and never again be favorable? Has his steadfast love forever ceased? Are his promises at an end for all time? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he in anger shut up his compassion? Let's pause and pray and just ask God's blessing on his word this morning. Heavenly Father, we, uh, we come to you. We thank you for the sweet time of worship. We thank you that, Lord, you are indeed here in our presence. Lord, you are indeed with us. And we love that promise that as we draw near to you, you draw near to us, Lord. We want to draw near to you in this time in your word. We want to be encouraged and strengthened. We want to be built up in Christ. We want to love you more. We want to serve you with gladness from this time in your holy word. So Lord, accomplish. Accomplish all that you have for us. Let your word not return to you void. And we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Confidence is one of those intangible things that pack a big punch. The difference between having confidence and lacking confidence can be the difference between success and failure. It can be the difference between doors opening and doors closing. Confidence injects courage. Lack of confidence sucks courage out. And, and I, I have firsthand felt the difference between when I feel confident and when I lack confidence. You probably have too. The amazing thing is you can say the same thing, you can do the same thing, but it's completely different when you have confidence and when you lack confidence. Psalm 77 is, I believe, a psalm about confidence, but not self-confidence. 
which is in healthy doses a, a good thing. But Psalm 77 is about a, very, uh, a much more important confidence, and that is confidence in God. Confidence in God. And our self-confidence is really meant to be anchored to our confidence in God. The first nine verses that we just read in Psalm 77 are a lament or a complaint. Asaph is honest with God. He lays it on the table. He says, God, I am, my heart is so troubled, I feel faint. My prayers are coming out as just moans. I can't sleep at night. It feels as if God is holding my eyelids open. So I can't even get rest in the middle of the night. If you have ever felt so overwhelmed or so troubled by something so deeply that, that you just feel faint, you just feel like, I don't have strength to go on. I don't have strength to meet the demands of the day. Where you, you just don't have words. You don't have like eloquent prayers. You don't, it's more like you have a moan. If you've ever lied awake at night, your mind racing, and you can't get to sleep, you know a little bit of what Asaph is dealing with here. The trials that Asaph and his people are in and, and facing as he writes this psalm are so extreme that it has shaken Asaph's confidence in God. And he begins to ask uncomfortable questions. Questions, has God rejected us? Is God spurning us? Has God run out of grace? Has His love for us dried up? God's promises, are they, are they no longer true? Are they no longer effective? Has His anger snuffed out His compassion? Uncomfortable questions. Asaph is going through a crisis of confidence in God right now. He knows truths about God. He's just not so confident that they're true for him right now. It is possible to go through a confidence, a crisis of confidence in God, and still believe all the right things about God. We can believe the right things about God generally, but then struggle to believe them personally. I know God is faithful, but will He be faithful to me? I know God is compassionate, but does He really have compassion for me? I know God's promises are true, but do they apply to me? A confidence crisis. Personally, I think the church and a lot of Christians are in a slump of confidence in God right now. I think there is a slump of confidence in God in many Christians' hearts and in many churches. I know I struggle with it. And perhaps you do as well. 
I don't struggle with confidence about the big truths of the scriptures. I don't struggle with the big truths that the Bible is true. Jesus is the Savior. I don't struggle with those. Where I struggle is, will he meet me personally when it comes to the needs that I have or the needs of loved ones in my life? Will will that faithfulness, will that love meet my life, meet the lives of people that I love? And you know what I really struggle with lately? Is the sense of what's going on around us and whether God is going to do something powerful about it. It hurts my heart to see people who have professed a faith in Christ for years, walk away from their faith in Christ. And, and the feeling that it doesn't mean much to them to walk away, like that's okay because our culture is increasingly finding Jesus and the church irrelevant. And so to walk away from Jesus, not that big a deal. Our culture says it's not even really relevant. You're just walking away from Some old thing that has no application, no connecting point in life today. Maybe you've seen some of the big name Christian leaders who have fallen into scandal and disrepute over the last several years. It it just seems like so many are falling like like flies and, 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 and they drag into disrepute the teachings that they have brought. Those teachings might well be very true, but they're now, they, they are affected in the hearts of the thousands who listen to them by the fall. Not only is the church in Jesus feeling more and more irrelevant in many people's lives, in our culture, but for a lot of people, and I think especially a lot of young people, there's a, there's a shift that's considering if you believe some of the biblical truths about morality and about sin, about what's right and what's wrong, you're not just out of touch. You are hateful. You are intolerant. You are against everything that is good. That makes it a whole lot harder, a whole lot harder to point to Jesus Christ and say, guys, you need him. And there can be a tremendous sense of lack. And I'm just being honest. Asaph is honest here. And I'm, I'm just sharing honest. There can feel like we struggle as in the church at large with a lack of power, with a lack of, of power in prayer, with a lack of power in evangelism and seeing people's lives changed, transformed for Christ. A lack of power to fight the currents. And we can begin to take on a mentality. It's a hold the fort. Let's survive this thing. Let's just get through. Jesus, come back, please. There's an old hymn, I will hold the fort. And we're just, we're holding the fort. But we get a let's survive 
let's hold the fort mentality rather than the gates of hell shall not prevail against us mentality. It's a very different, very different mentality. Lack of confidence in God while holding biblical beliefs can have us doing the same things, but not in the same way. We pray, but not with a strong confidence that God hears our prayers and do awesome things. We talk about Jesus, but not with the same confidence that people will get saved and lives will be transformed. We sing songs of worship, but not with the same sense of the presence of God. And I appreciate Colleen's word to us this morning. We're not just singing songs. Worship is not just, hey, let's sing songs. You know, row three, you're a little out of tune. Row four, you're pretty good. It's not about singing songs. It is about worshiping the living God who is here in our presence. But when we lose confidence and still believe the biblical things, we can sing the worship songs, but not really believe, not really draw near to the presence of God, not really engage with the living God. We can go to church, but we don't really expect to meet God there. I'm telling you, the difference between confidence and lack of confidence, you can do the exact same things, but they are very different in their results. And this is a real struggle. Maybe not for you, but for some. And I think for many churches today. And it raises very uncomfortable questions. And God wants us to be honest about these struggles and these questions. God included Psalm 77 with the lament, with its complaints in his word. Even though some of these questions, is your love gone? Have you forgotten to be gracious? Are your promises done? Some of them come close to impugning God's character. Yet God has included this complaint in his word because God isn't afraid of our complaints or our heartfelt questions. Lament is a language God knows. He understands it. Asaph could have said, praise God, everything's great. But he lays it out there, God, everything is not great. And God says, I'm going to include that in my word. Because lament is a language God understands. He knows it. And so should we in the church. Brothers and sisters, if we cannot share honestly, I am in a hard time. I am struggling without immediately going to, but praise God. What will happen is we will stuff those things and we will not feel free to share. I'm in a hard time. My faith is struggling. I see stuff coming at me and I'm thinking, God, have you forgotten me? Where are you in this? And we just put on a phony face. But in our hearts, we're like 
him stretching out our hands night, all night long. God, where are you? When will you meet me? We all find ourselves in that place of lament at times. And we all need to be able to ask the questions and share the struggles. And we want to be able to do that as brothers and sisters in the church as well. God understands the language of lament. But I want to encourage us this morning that lament is not meant to be permanent. We can go there. It's okay to go there. But we don't want to stay there. Asaph doesn't. Asaph is honestly struggling with lack of confidence in God. But starting in verse 1, or in the very first verse, he takes that struggle to God. He says, I cry aloud to God, aloud to God, and he will hear me. Sometimes I think the first step to confidence is speaking confidently even when we don't feel it. He will hear me. Are you praying for something? He will hear me. Are you asking God for some miracle or for some move of God in your life, in the life of someone you love? You're asking for someone to come to Christ who seems a million miles away. He will hear me. I don't even feel that, but God, I'm trusting you. I cry aloud to you. He will hear me. He's bringing it to God, but then in verse 10, his confidence, that spark of confidence that's in verse 1, he will hear me, becomes a roaring flame in verse 10. Read with me verses 10 through 15. Then I said, I will appeal to this, to the years of the right hand of the Most High. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your wonders of old. I will ponder all your work and meditate on your mighty deeds. Your way, O oh God, is holy. What God is great like our God? You are the God who works wonders. You have made known your might among the peoples. You, with your arm, redeemed your people, the children of Jacob and Joseph. Selah. Asaph remembers what God has done in history past. He remembers God's wonders of old, God's powerful work, his redemptive arm, his mighty deed. And this is not a walk down memory lane. Asaph sees and knows all history is God's history. And Asaph says, I'm a part of the same history and you're the same God. I am part of the history of God and you are the same God. You have not changed. The God of then is the God of now. And I want you to notice how his language changes. Until now, he's been talking about God. Now he begins to talk to God. He goes from third person to second person. He goes from, has he forgotten me? To your wonders, your works, your mighty deeds, your holiness, your redemption and redemptive arm for your people. I want to encourage us 
that we today, what's that, August 8th, 2021, we are as much a part of the redemptive history of God as Asaph was, as David was, as Joseph was, as John and James and Peter were. God's not changed. He is the same God, and the history is still his. He is as powerful. He's not drawn away. He's not moved away. He's not gotten weaker. He's not gotten distant. He hasn't lost uh, interest in us. He's not apathetic. The God that we read about, and we read about the old wonders of God, the glories of God, the powers of God, the mighty works of God, that God is every single bit as much God today as he was then. You are, verse 14, Asaph says, you are, not you were, you are the God who works wonders. We are a part of that same history. We have the same God and he is every bit as powerful and able and willing to work in powerful ways. Asaph's confidence in God is rising. And then in verse 16, he begins to recount in very dramatic fashion with details that are not found in Exodus, the great miracle of the parting of the Red Sea. Beginning in verse 16, when, when the waters saw you, O God, when the waters saw you, they were afraid. Indeed, the deep trembled. The clouds poured out water. The skies gave forth thunder. Your arrows flashed on every side. The crash of your thunder was in the whirlwind. Your lightnings lighted up the world. The earth trembled and shook. Your way was through the sea, your path through the great waters, yet your footprints were unseen. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. And that ends the psalm. It's just over. Bang. Asaph has said all that he needs to be said. His confidence in God is back. The Red Sea looked like an absolute dead end to Moses and the Israelites, literally. They had the armies of Pharaoh on one side, ready to kill them. They had the Red Sea uncrossable on the other side. And they had nowhere to go and nothing to do except die. At least that's what it looked like to them. But God didn't bring them there to kill them. God brought them there to make a way where there is no way. And God always makes a way for his people. He always makes a way for his people. He brings us to hard places. He brings us to deep troubles and deep waters. Not to kill us, but to show himself strong on our behalf. It takes a test to make a testimony. If you are in a time of testing, know that God is with you. And he didn't bring you there to destroy you or to leave you. 
it takes a heavy weight for us to learn how God is powerful to lift that weight. It takes us getting to a place where there is no way for us to go forward for us to discover that God is the God who makes a way where there is no way. Jesus is our greatest example of God making a way where there is no way. Sin and Satan behind us, God's righteous and holy judgment ahead of us, and nowhere for us to go, and nothing for us to do to save ourselves. And yet the cross bridged the gap, parted the seas of God's righteous judgment, and made a way for us to go across safely into the very presence of our God. Without judgment and with grace. We can approach God boldly because of the cross. We can approach him timidly as well, but God would prefer we approach him boldly with confidence. I I hope and pray that God stirs in our hearts confidence about truths that we may hold on to, but maybe lacking some of the confidence Confidence as we cross the cross, as we bridge the waters of the judgment of God into the very presence of God through the mercies of Christ, through the blood of Christ, through the work of the cross, we come confidently into God's presence, confident that he loves us. No, confident that he loves you. Don't just believe it generally, believe it personally. Confident that Jesus' blood is more than powerful enough to cleanse you of all sin and save you for all eternity. Confident in that. Confident that God is with you, that he hears you, that he has done great things, he will do great things. Confident that you belong to him. Asaph says, you are the God who works wonders. Do them again. Do them again now. Now, you may notice that I'm using the word confidence instead of the word faith, which would fit here too. We could say exact same things using the word faith. But I think that the word confidence gives us a handle on what faith is. Faith is, at its core, confidence in God. God will part the Red Sea. God will make a way. When the woman in the Gospels pushed her way, the woman with the bleeding infirmity, 12 years, had seen every doctor she could see, when she pushed her way through the crowd and said to herself, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I will be healed. That was confidence in God, confidence in Jesus, confidence that Jesus could do what physicians could not do. When the father brought his demon-possessed child to, to Jesus, and he said, Lord, I believe, help thou my unbelief, that was confidence. 
maybe a little shaky, but it was confidence that Jesus could do what no one else could do. When the blind men sat at the road and said, Jesus, come here and have mercy on us. They were crying out with confidence that Jesus could come and heal their blindness and give them sight. Confidence in Jesus Christ. There were other sick women. There were other demon-possessed people. There were other blind people. But the confidence these had moved them to come to Jesus crying out, you can do something, you can heal, you are the God who does wonders, do them again, do them now, and that made all the difference. Based on what Jesus has done for us, Hebrews 4.16 says, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. This verse is saying, don't go timidly. Don't go timidly. Don't go saying, maybe God will hear me. Maybe God will answer. Maybe God will give me grace to meet the need that I have. This is saying, throw open the doors and say, Father, here I am. Father, I'm here and I need grace. Father, I'm here, and I need some answers. Father, I'm here, and I'm struggling with this. Would you meet me where I am? And it pleases our Father's heart when we come to him with confidence based on Jesus Christ, that God will be faithful to us, and he will be gracious. Hebrews 10.35 also gives us a caution and a promise. It says, So do not throw away your confidence. That's the caution. Do not throw away your confidence. Hold on to your confidence in God. This isn't talking about self-confidence. Hold on to your confidence in God. No matter what the circumstances look like, no matter what the situation's like, no matter what trials, no matter how deep the struggle, no matter how difficult the challenge do not hold, throw away your confidence. Hold on to your confidence because, here comes the promise, it will be richly rewarded. God rewards our confidence when we place it in him. If this is something that's maybe a struggle for you, maybe you, maybe you relate to Asaph's first nine verses more than you do the last seven verses. I just want to encourage this. Confidence in God is, is a place we want to go. Like I said, we, we, God understands lament, but we don't want to stay there. We don't want to stay in the twilight of little confidence in God. We want to go to greater confidence in God. For most of us, that's not going to be an overnight thing. It, for most of us, it's a gradual growth. It doesn't happen in a moment. And I want to share a couple of thoughts about growing our confidence. And then we're going to sing a song that just kind of calls out for God to do it again. Here's some thoughts. Pray confidently. Put some confidence in your prayers, even if you don't feel it completely. You say, well, that not that faking it? No, no, no. 
what you're acknowledging is your emotions aren't the final word. God is. I cry aloud to the Lord and he will hear me. Asaph's not on her. He's struggling, but he knows he's going to speak confidently. God says, come confidently to his throne of grace for timely grace. You need timely grace? The grace is there. It's not like grace you needed six months ago comes, finally gets here. It's the grace you need right now. He loves to give it. Come boldly, come confidently, come confidently with boldness into the presence of God, to the throne room of God and ask for it. Pray confidently, come confidently. Second point, do more talking to yourself and less listening to yourself. Asaph turns from shaky confidence to strong confidence. That change starts with him talking to himself. In verse 10, he says, Then I said, I will appeal to the Most High. Who's he talking to? Then I said, I will appeal. He's talking to himself. He's talking to himself. Then I said, I've, I have been lamenting, but then I said, I will. Here's what I am going to do. See, our inner voice and I'm speaking from experience. This isn't, I'm speaking from, our inner voice can say things like, God's not going to answer that prayer. This situation is too big. I've seen people try this before, and I've prayed that before, and there's been no answer. There's no way forward. I'm stuck. There's no way forward. If you have that inner voice in your head sometimes, so do I. And we can live out of that inner voice. But Asaph said, then I said, I will appeal to the righteous most high God. I will appeal. I will remember I will meditate. I will ponder God's awesome power and his awesome works. If we can learn not to live, listen passively to our inner voice and start speaking actively to ourselves, it helps build our confidence in God. Another point is this, recount God's awesome deeds. Recount what God has done. Recount how good he's been. Biblical miracles are a great place to start. That's where Asaph starts. He goes back in history and he recounts what God has done biblically. But then think about the ways that God has answered prayers in your life. Look at the history of answered prayers. Look at the ways that God has met you. Look at the ways that God has, has made a way where there seemed to be no way. Recount. I know I have seen God answer so many prayers over the years, I can't count them. I have seen him meet me in so many ways and bless me in some ways that I didn't even ask him for. I've also seen him put a leash on bad situations where a bad thing happened or something went wrong, but there was a leash on it. It could only go so far and no further. And then God would work that together for good. 
You've seen that too. Recount the ways that God has met you. Recount the examples of God's love for you. Recount them to yourself. And then let's recount them together. Let's encourage each other with testimonies of how God has met us, where God has met us, answered prayers, or grace in a season of unanswered prayer. Let's let each other know. Church, let's tell each other. You're sitting on a testimony. God did this. I, I, I thought I was coming to the end and I had no way forward and God met me here. Testimonies can encourage one another and it can encourage someone else's faith and confidence in God to hear yours. I, uh, you know, I'm just so grateful. I uh, had the opportunity to visit Mike a couple days ago in the hospital and and we've been praying for Mike. If you're, if you're visiting us, they, he had a super serious heart attack uh, two weeks ago. And for the first several days, it didn't look like he would survive. Or if he did survive, he would have uh, significant brain damage or motor coordination damage or both. And yet he is doing amazing. And the church, you guys have prayed, thank you. But as, I'm, as I sat with Mike, and he sat in a chair, not in his bed, I was just like, I was so encouraged by what God has done. And then to hear how his heart was recognizing God's work and what God was speaking to him, it just like, man, my faith was just like, oh, thank you, Lord. It was soaring. You have a testimony. I have a testimony. Let's not keep it to ourselves. Let's help encourage each other because someone else might be struggling with confidence in God and you share that testimony and they recapture that sense of confidence in God. Let's share them with each other. Let's pray together. Let's pray big. Let's pray confidently. And finally, let's encourage each other in other, all ways that we can to be confident in God. I'm not talking about phony, you know, that's why we have to have the language of lament. We have to be able to, otherwise we, we put a muzzle on it. It's like, I can never say that anything's going wrong or they'll think it's a lack of, no, 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 that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about being able to be gut honest, real. This is where I'm at. But we try to point each other. This is what God is doing or what is God doing? But I know this brother. I know this sister. God is doing something. He's going to meet you. God will make a way where there is no way. I want to ask the band to come back up. I am sensing a... a a sense of confidence in my heart. I've been seeing this confidence in my heart grow and grow and grow. But listen, a couple weeks from now, I might be struggling with that confidence and I might need you to encourage me. Be confident in the Lord. God is good. God is still awesome, amen? God is still powerful, amen? God is still working very powerfully in this world, amen? And so we're looking at a Time, listen, let's pray that God would, would flood over so many people whose hearts are being drawn away like Jesus is nothing irrelevant when he is everything and he is more relevant to their life than anything else. Let's pray that God begin to move in young people's hearts, older people's hearts, drawing them to a salvation 
a wonderful salvation in Christ. Let's be praying. Let's be confident. Let's be asking. Let's be sharing Jesus with people. Believe in God to do what only God can do. You know, a believer who's struggling and they're barely hanging on to faith. Pray for them. Love them. Believe God and speak confidence in our Jesus is with you. God is with you, man. Know that he loves you. Let's pray. Let's encourage. Let's believe. Because our God is awesome. Our God is awesome. And he, he is awesome to us personally right now in this place in history. Thank you, Lord. We give you praise. We give you praise. We believe you, God. But God, this isn't just about us saying some words. We are asking in the midst where we see so much going on that's away from you, we see struggle in the church, we see unbelief in the church, we see uh, struggle outside, we see people moving away from any kind of belief in the Bible, in Jesus. And Lord, we just acknowledge it's going to take more than fancy words or intellectual arguments or other things like that. It's going to take the move of God. And that's what we're asking for in our lives, in our church, in your church, around the world, and most importantly, in the world of those who don't know you. Because we want to see people who don't know you come to know the love and mercies of Jesus Christ. So God, we're asking you to do it again, and we ask it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen.